Welcome to HUDCO Radio. I'm Jim Kennelly. Today I'm joined by Matt Carinanti, Program Development Specialist for the Hudson County Office of Cultural and Heritage Affairs Tourism Development. The office supports a range of projects, including celebration of our local history. Matt will be conducting a series of interviews on HUDCO Radio doing just that. Welcome to HUDCO Radio. Tell us a little bit about your work and what this series will entail. Thanks, Jim. Much of my focus within our office is to help the community celebrate and preserve its history and heritage. Hudson County is one of the most culturally diverse places on Earth, with nearly half of our residents being born outside of the United States. A big part of what has made Hudson County home to all of this culture is its history as a first stop for millions of immigrants throughout modern history. Hudson County is known as the gateway to America for good reason. Beginning in the 1600s through the Ellis Island years and up until present day, immigrants from every corner of the globe have made Hudson County their first stop, with millions planting their roots right here, becoming an integral part to the growth and prosperity of Hudson County, the United States, and beyond. This series of interviews is part of a program called Hudson County and Immigration, the Story of America. I've invited a few of our community leaders to share their experiences as organizational leaders, Hudson County residents, and immigrants themselves. Each of these guests represents a different background and has a different story to share. Our hope is that you can learn something from these amazing people regardless of your own background. I'd like to welcome Rimley Roy, who is the founder and artistic director of Serati for Performing Arts, which is located at 844-846 Newark Avenue in Jersey City. Hi, Rimley. Welcome to HUDCO Radio, and thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Great. So please start by telling us more about yourself and your organization. Well, um, I moved into the U.S., into Jersey City, in uh, late 1999. In fact, uh, I moved in on Halloween. And I remember coming from India, you know, where there are, there's the honking of cars on the streets and it's very, very loud and noisy. Coming into the U.S., it's quiet. You know, and people have this whole idea. People who live in India think that the United States is this and that and there's so many uh, dreams and so many things that happen there. The last thing I was thinking about is getting out of the airport is the place is quiet. There are no cars honking. There's no people screaming across the streets or, you know, walking on the streets. There's like, you know, a, a particular process in place and discipline and all of that. So that was that was really uh, the first impression that when I when I got off the plane and when I started driving towards you know Jersey City and I remember it was Halloween and we were very jet lagged obviously I moved in here with my husband and this was in 1999 in uh, in October of course October 31st and I would never forget that we got out and we you know, put our stuff into into the house that we had moved into, into the apartment, and uh, we moved. We went to the Newport Mall in Jersey City, mm-hmm. and there were people dressed up for Halloween. I had no idea what Halloween was, and today it's one of my most favorite festivals. Uh-huh. And I always go out and enjoy with friends and family, but at that time I had no idea about it. So the first impression of seeing people dressed up in different ways and without having any background to it, I was like, I was wondering if this is part of my dream, am I ever fallen asleep, am I still jet lagged, <laughs> or what? Wow. But then it was, it was uh, I mean, of course, slowly we, we got adapted to the, the way of life, which is a little bit different from, of course, from the way I grew up in India. Yeah. But then things fell into place, and it's been beautiful since. Great. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you did grow up? Well, I grew up in Calcutta in India. And it's supposed to be the cultural hub of India. So, you know, 
musicians, performers from all over the world would come there, and I grew up in a musical family. My father, Shumit Roy, is a very famous, a well-known performer, you know, um, singer and composer back in India. And my mom, Arati, is actually a, a writer, poet, you know, visual artist, all of that, a lyricist. And I grew up with them. In fact, Surati is named after my parents, Shumit uh, and Arati. Oh, I never knew that. Yes, yes. That's how, that was the inspiration behind it. And also have a very talented brother who, who's also a musician today in Bollywood. So my entire family have a history of, you know, artists and musicians with whom I grew up. Incredible. So uh, please tell us more about Sarati. It's a wonderful organization that that's, has a very strong presence right here in Jersey City. So, yes, thank you so much. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, I started Surati in 2002. We incorporated in 2002, but the nonprofit was incorporated in 2012. So this is actually our 20th year. We're very excited to celebrate that. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, I started off because I've always had the training in dance and music. I started off teaching Indian classical dance. I've actually trained in three different Indian classical dance forms, uh, namely Bharatanatyam, uh, Manipuri and Odissi. So um, primarily I perform Odissi and I do a creative form of all the, you know, all the different genres. And uh, you know, in the organization, of course, we have everything. We have dance, music, uh, you know, visual arts. We've worked with artists from different genres of performing arts and literary arts, in fact. So, um, you know, Surati was started off as me being a dancer and choreographer and then me forming a group of dancers, and we tour with our shows and productions, and then became becoming a bigger group of dancers, musicians, artists, and you know slowly we started doing festivals, which was um, back in 2008. Uh, I think 2008. We even before that we actually did Summerfest. I think the first one of Summerfest was probably in 2005, in Jersey City at Victory Hall, which was at that time run by uh, now what's called Drawing Rooms. Uh, we used to we collaborated with them, and we did. A few summer fests that was very very successful, and uh, one of the biggest things is that even though our uh, you know arts and culture is based in Indian art and culture, uh, we also try we try to be very global and generic in our performances and artists by involving artists and genres from all over the world. Wow. So even at Holy Festival of Colors, when our theme was colors, like our motto was when everyone is colorful, no one is different. So even when the festival originated in India. We had artists from different parts of the world come in and showcase the theme of colors and, uh, you know, showcase their art and, art and music and, you know, dance forms from around the world. Like in 2022, we had like a belly dancer. We had people from South America. We had a Mexican dance group, apart from having Indian dance and music at Holi, which is actually, um, you know, the, the essence behind Surati is to globalize, you know, Indian art and culture and at the same time, create partnerships with other genres to be able to create something that conveys a universal message of peace, unity, brotherhood, you know, crossing gender and race and all of that. Yeah, that's wonderful. And to do it here in Hudson County in Jersey City, I think you're in the right place because we are an incredibly diverse place. And and, uh, I know that you work a lot with a lot of these other communities, which is really wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Because even staying within the Indian community here in Hudson County, 
I mean, we've done that a lot. We also work a lot with the Indian community. We have a lot of Indian following. But it's lovely to see at Holi, to see people from anywhere in the world. They feel welcome and at home at the festival. And that was the entire idea. And that is why the Indian Consulate is also a partner. Indian Consulate in New York has been a partner and sponsor. Right. And, you know, we've just been invited by the government of India to perform Ram Ramavan in India. Great. And that's the next thing I'd like to talk about. Yeah, please, tell us more about what you have uh, coming up. Yes, yes. So, um, Ramavan is actually a musical. It's in, written in Shakespearean-style verse. Uh, and it's kind of like, it's an English verse, basically, but it's following that kind of um, idea. And um, the concept of Ramavan is taken from an old Indian epic tale called Ramayana. It's one of the greatest epic tales from India, and it tells the story of Prince Ram, from Ayodhya, so it's those. These are all like mythological tales, but it's it is one of the building foundations of Indian uh, values and culture and tradition. And uh, we've taken Ramavan, the story of Ramavan, and we've used diverse artists. We've incorporated diverse artists to tell the story. So, for example, we had last year, like in 2019, the last time we performed Ramavan, we had uh, an Italian Ram, an Indian Sita. And a, and a Caucasian Lakshman showing that people from the same family can be from different, have said different skin colors come from anywhere in the world, but that can tell a universal story. And we had like King Ravan from Lanka is supposed to be a very revered king, a learned man. The story unfolds in a different way where, of course, Ravan is shown as the antagonist and Ram as the protagonist. But the particular version of Ramavan that we have, we show Ram and Ravan as equals. The original story in India, uh, you know, demonizes Ravan and, you know, glorifies Ram. Here we glorify both because they're both to be glorified and to be told of equally. And then the story unfolds in such a way that are unfortunate situations. People make choices and, you know, the, the story unfolds from a very unbiased perspective. And we wanted to show that there could be, you know, people who make different choices and there could be an unfortunate situation. So... The taking away from the story is different from the way it has been told in traditional versions of the Ramayana. So the story is, the, the name is Ramavan. It's called Ramavan, a musical, which is the story of Ram, prince from India, and the king of Lanka, Ravan, uh, the, you know, who's yeah. from, the, from the kingdom of Sri Lanka, which is known as Sri Lanka today. So this, and, and we have the same character, like Ravan's sister, Surpanakha, uh, in, in other versions of it, we've had uh, an African-American Surpanakha and her split image is a Caucasian uh, Supernakha. So we kind of show the same character, can be whatever skin color, doesn't matter, but you know, the character is important. So you know, the, the, the core of the character is important. So we've crossed boundaries, many boundaries, while telling the story, and it's a very interesting take on it. And this year, we are also, apart from performing in Hudson County, we are taking this to Manhattan, and we are also we've also been invited by the Indian government to take Ramavan to you know India. It combines Indian classical dance and music along with opera, English verse, contemporary jazz, and you know a lot of different genres. And you know crossing a lot of different boundaries, taking artists from you know artists from around the world. Wow, incredible! So it has musical theater too. Yeah, wow, uh, that's uh, in, uh, absolutely amazing. So. Uh, you've been here and an integral part of the Hudson County arts community for a long time now. So you, you mentioned that you were actually part of the first uh, Hudson County Arts Master Plan, which was um, 
you know, I'm not sure how many years ago, but uh, a little while ago now. Can you share your story about that? Yeah, I mean, I think when I first came here, there were there were certain you know there were certain things that obviously I, I didn't understand the system. The biggest thing is that uh, even though India has granting systems for artists and all of that, but back in India, I was an IT programmer. You know, I came here as an IT programmer. And that is another story because uh. I used to be working on Wall Street and I used to be dancing and performing on the weekends and on weeknights as a part-time thing. But then I was like, after the World Trade Center thing happened, which also there's another interesting story related to that, which I'll come to, uh, you know, I realized that my passion lay in music and dance. I never thought I would be pursuing that, you know, full-time with my, you know, with my um, passion for uh, you know the uh, you know the IT industry and you know being coming here as a, as an IT programmer. Remind me the question again. Uh, uh, about the Hudson County Arts uh, Master yes. Plan. So so when I first came here, um, I remember that Bill Larosa, who was then the director of Hudson County, you know, um, uh, cultural cultural, affairs. cultural yep. affairs at that time, he had requested me to be a part of the master plan, and he's the one who even told me about the grants, and he told me that you should be applying for grants. This is what it is. And I did not even understand at that time that actually there could be funding available to, you know, to artists to pursue what they love and what is their passion, which I thought was an amazing system here. Uh, back in India, I never explored as an artist, you know, getting funding or anything, though I was performing from a very young age. I was in, um, you know, I was in school and I used to be handling all the music and dance and all of that. I used to be performing with my father, who's a performer musician. I used to choreograph all his shows. But I had no idea about the funding portion of it, which was also available then. But I'm sure it was in a different capacity. So here, when Bill asked me to be a part of, uh, you know, to apply for grants from Hudson County, and I started receiving funding probably from 2004 or five, or maybe 2002, I don't even remember whether it was the first year, but it's been that long. Then he invited me to be part of the Hudson County Arts Master Plan, and I was probably the youngest, uh, you know, member over there, and I remember I had a hard time with the accents also, understanding what they were saying, even though, uh, and I didn't have an understanding of the art system, so I was there, though I was, you know, I did talk, but I remember I did not suggest anything because I didn't know enough to suggest what could be a good plan, whereas something like that now, I would have a million ideas, you know, because I didn't understand what, what worked, what didn't work, what was the thing to do and what was not the thing to do, which is a huge thing for immigrants coming into a new system where you know acceptance is a huge thing, for you to accept and be accepted. That's such a big thing. And, and for us to understand where the system is flawed, where we can suggest ways to be, ways to improve or what can be done. I mean, right now, there's, it's a different story or even 10 years ago, but this was like when I first moved here. So maybe within the first five years and First, me being an immigrant and coming to a new place, you know, adjusting to a new system here, then coming into arts and culture, then starting a new organization, and then being asked to be a part of a board. It was, it was a lot, but I didn't realize it at that time. It just felt very casual and normal. But I remember thinking, what could I say? Because everything I was seeing at that time was more than what I had seen. But now being used to the system for so many years, there are so many more things I can think of to suggest. So the change in, you know, the thought yeah. is, is different. Great. Um, so 
we'll go back to um, any advice that you might have for, for people, because now you've, you've accumulated quite a bit of uh, experience in all of this. So, but I'd like to touch back on, uh, you mentioned 9-11. Um, I think you have a story about that. If you, you share. Yes. Yeah. So I was, I was doing a, a job on Wall Street, and you know, I was interviewing and all of that, and I used to be working with an organ, you know, a corporate there. Um, in fact, when I moved here, um, I got, you know, I, I was on a different visa. Obviously, I was on an, I got had to get an H-1 visa to be able to do a, an IT job. And when I was on that IT job, uh, I was in fact in World Trade Center. We were in California earlier that that uh, month, first week of September. We were in California, and we got back. And I was in uh, World Trade Center all of September 10th. I was there, and my my uh, office used to be on Wall Street, but I had not yet. Um, started working on a particular project. So then I was kind of like on, you know, it's like you are on the, you know, you're working for the organization and you're actively interviewing. But uh, I remember the next day when World Trade Center thing happened, when, when the disaster happened, I used to live in Newport, which, where I still do. And I remember the entire impact it had on the community. It was disastrous. We were, we were broken. And I remember seven days straight, the television was on in our house. And... I used to be waking up with the news, crying and going to bed with the news. And I remember um, I was volunteering for Red Cross, American, you know, the American Red Cross and Salvation Army. I, I was translating for hundreds of people who had businesses on the streets who spoke Bengali, which is the language I speak back, back in India, coming from Calcutta, which is the state of Bengal. So Bengali and, of course, Hindi. Of course, I understand Hindi and I speak Hindi. Uh, which is, um, you know, the, the primary language apart from English. English is the, uh, you know, the, the official language in India. But, uh, and, and we had to go to school and we had to have English as the first language. Um, and I'm very grateful for that, for which communication is, a, is great, you know, coming, moving to the United States. But, um, you know, I had to be translating for people who had businesses on the streets of New York, who had carts or little small businesses. They didn't have insurance. They didn't have... Like a lot of other things, I had to be translating and create cases. So I became a kind of lawyer for them, like advocating for them and getting them food stamps or getting them money from these places and also like food, clothing and, you know, other things and uh, funds from whatever was available during that time. And I think that was one of, one of the most, um, you know, I would be ever grateful that that opportunity was there for me to serve the community at that time. It was a very, very emotional time for all of us. My husband used to work on Wall Street also, and it was just by minutes that he missed the train for which he was not stuck there for hours, and I don't know what would have happened. And we spent the entire day getting people back from, like, you know, trying to find out how we could help. Uh, some of my friends were stuck in their houses. There was no electricity. It was, it was a nightmare for us. But just to think that being an immigrant and, you know, I moved here in 99, and in 2002 that happened. 2001, sorry, 2001. So you can imagine, end of 99, in, like within a year and a half of moving into a country, something like that happened. That had such a huge impact. Mm -hmm. But it also brought the community together in so many different ways. And um, I think that was one of the learning lessons in my life where, you know, you can think you can't take anything for granted. And I remember for even years after, even now, even when I see a chopper going close to, you know, from the Hudson, I'm, I live on the Hudson, so... When I see a chopper even flying by, it I, there's not a moment where I wouldn't think about what happened then. Yeah. It was 
a huge impact on our community. You know, to, and then we were downstairs by the water when we saw the buildings crumble. Mm. So it was a, it was a huge thing, yeah. huge thing to go and witness. No kidding. <laughs> um, so, what advice would you have? I'll, I've been asking if you have advice for future immigrants, but I think you also have a lot of advice for artists um, of of any. Um, uh, culture uh, or wherever they're from. So if, please uh, share any advice you may have. Well, uh, for artists, I would say that, you know, there is, there has to be like, I realize that with, with artists, I see a lot of people who are, who are shy or who think that they don't want to express themselves, they stay within themselves. It's very important to network, to talk to people, to find out what, how you may contribute, how you may help, and at the same time, how you, you know, you have to ask for help. If you, I realize that learning the, you know, hard way and the long way, that there is, there is help available. I think in, here in, in the United States, there is so much available out there. There's so much funding available out there. As artists, we need help in terms of finding people who can get us not only financial advice, but to organize things advice for space. You know, space is a huge issue in, uh, you know, in Hudson County for artists. And I'm very glad that we have a space right now. And I'm already talking to so many artists because we are ready to offer our space to have like book readings, to, you know, exhibitions, performances, even if there's, you know, might not be a huge space, whatever we can accommodate, like, you know, have little mini concerts, have events out there. So innovation and thinking outside the box is key for anyone that's that's kind of the because, because you know that's something that people who worked with me people who know me for a while whether it's the county or the city people tell me that these are the rules that we have to abide by and i would always be challenging the rules I'm like why can't we do this why can't we do that you know there has to be innovation there has to be thinking outside the box because if everybody were to fo follow the book and do everything then there would be no innovation and nothing that would challenge them, nothing that would, you know, pave the path for future artists to think beyond that. Because it is, it is so important, for even for immigrants, the same thing. I mean, there may not be a rule in place today for this, but why not for tomorrow? Why not, you know, think about something for tomorrow? This, it's, it's so important to, uh, you know, to try and tweak something, to challenge the rules to challenge your environment. And that comes from family too. Like, you know, it's for everything. My daughter just left for Berklee College of Music. Uh, you know, she just left this weekend. We just dropped her off to Boston. We just got back on Sunday. She's a singer-songwriter. And uh, she's been doing a lot of gigs in New York, this and that. And I always keep telling her this because I feel that, you know, sometimes artists tend to, or even immigrants, or people who are new in a place, they're wary, oh, oh this is how they do it. So. Can I do something different? How would people take it? You have to be sensitive towards people's ideas and thoughts and understand that with Indian culture, a lot of people who are not part of the culture think, oh, would this be offensive? Would this be something? Ask the question, move forward, create partnerships. Everybody is out there. Everybody wants to do something new. Everybody wants to innovate. You know, everybody wants to create something new. Everybody wants to make music, wants to create new pieces and dance to, to break boundaries and barriers. You know, just onward and upward is my, my, my message to everybody. That's extremely important to, you know, for feedback, you know, for anything that we want to do. There is always space for improvement. There's always space to think about how we can do things better. Excellent advice for anyone. 
for doing anything. Um, so tell us a, a little bit more about the new space that, that, that you're, you, you have now. Uh, well, the new space is, you know, I went to see another space on that street and I passed the space and I just saw it by chance. And it was just a studio space, perfect for dance and music, and, you know, yoga and things like that. And I spoke to the owner and he, she said that the space next to it, which is like, a, like an office space, is also available. We just, without thinking, like in the sense, we've been looking for space for so long, we just went with combining the entire space together. And now we have an office space as well as like a studio space. And um, in the office space, actually, there is some space where we can also have like, you know, music or other things. And we're open to having events. We're open to having like little events where in the office space, it's actually quite open with the kitchen and stuff. So we can actually have things where we can have like, you know, you know, wine and cheese events or, you know, exhibitions, art. I would love to promote artists in that space. I would like to like the community to think about this as their space. Come to me with ideas. I'm open to doing anything and everything there. Like, I don't want to think about this as only like a space for classes and workshops. Yes, rehearsals is a huge thing, having rehearsal space. I want to make rehearsal space available for artists. I'm open to collaboration. I'm already in conversation with the city to see if we can block off the street and do some other festivals there. You know, I would love to work with different organizations and do as much, you know, things there. You know, I've even been thinking about doing like a cultural tour. So like doing little performances there and then taking tourists on a walking tour around down Newark Avenue and do tastings and food tastings and, Wonderful you know, idea. things like that. Yeah. I, you know, I want to do more things with the community. I want people to think that we are out there to tie partnerships because, you know, there's there's nothing more rewarding than people coming back to me and asking me, hey, when are you doing your Ramavan Red next? We're waiting for it. When is your holy? Those those messages is what keeps me going. That is the fuel to my fire. Right. So, you know, those are the things that are so important because, you know, when people come and say that my, you know, when in, for Ramavan, there are people who were, there were kids who were four-year-olds and there were 60-year-olds sitting in that auditorium. And people out there, after they left the auditorium with their feedback, they told us, everybody sat there with pin-drop silence watching the show. So that is what, I mean, I understand that, you know, with funding and all of that, it's great. I mean, we have to pay our artists, we have to pay the bills, we have to keep this going. But for the for an artist at the core, the appreciation from people, the acceptance, and, you know, coming back with feedback that is rewarding is the most important thing to carry on what we do, you know? Right. I mean, somebody once told me, like my husband tells me all the time that, if somebody gave me like a million dollars and said, you won't get any of the money in your hand, but you'll get this money to do your production, I would be one of the happiest people. I mean, it doesn't matter what money I'm taking back home, but if you're able to do something that, you know, that is your dream, to put something up without like, obviously Ramavan went to a black box theater. We did it in uh, Art House Productions. We did it in Miles Square Theater for in 2018 and 2019. And then there are challenges of taking this showed like in a bigger space, there's, it's expensive, I understand that. Funds is always a challenge. But if an artist is given funds to create their work without any restrictions and without any barriers, then you, know, then you see things like Broadway, but then there are restrictions. You know what I'm trying to say, like if I were to take this show to Broadway, which a lot of people said that it is very Broadway style because it is, uh, you know, it's a musical, it's Broadway inspired, of course, but the genres are so many, it's so many different things. People have never seen this kind of a show before. But, but you know, the challenges are 
that when, if you have the funds for something like that and you want to think of doing this on Broadway, there are so many other things, unions and everything that mm -hmm. comes into place. So we need to create something where we can make it as big as Broadway, but it will doesn't have to be called Broadway. Think of a new genre. We have to think of path-breaking things that is going to change people who are monopolizing the arts. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes, absolutely. So it's extremely important. We need to create that opportunity for ourselves. Create something that would be bigger than Broadway. Why not? Yeah, great. You know? Well, in that spirit, why don't you share uh, how people can reach you and how they can support your organization? Okay. So Surati, so we have an arts and entertainment outfit, which is Surati Inc., that's something that I know people always get confused about because the, the non-profit is Surati for Performing Arts and our website is suratifpa.org. Um, should I spell that out or not? That's, That's okay. Yeah. And, um, and the arts and entertainment outfit is Surati Inc., which is, uh, which is mostly, that is mostly our classes when we do private events and things like that. But currently my work is 98% into the non-profit, which is doing you know, the festivals, the performances, the creation of new work, uh, doing all the community events. So I work with uh, you know, different organizations, like we're doing uh, an event on 10th of September. What is it called? Um, you know, the, is it the Berry Lane? No, not the Berry Lane one. What is it happening? 10th of September, the um, Apple Tree House uh, is, is- Oh, Bergen is, Square Day. Bergen Square yes. Day. So we are actually doing Bergen Square Day on 10th of September. We are very excited about it. So, you know, the thing is that people approach us with, you know, budgets of a few hundred dollars, and sometimes people approach us with budgets in the thousands. We try not to turn anyone away. If we can afford to do that show and we can bring in a professional artist and give them a compensation, we say yes. Because we have to also keep our doors open. We have to keep a minimum cost sometimes. I work a lot. I also have donated a lot of my time to senior citizens, different things that we've done. But we try not to. We try to work with different, um, you know, budgets and different organizations. You know, we try to not, as I mentioned, we try to not turn anyone away. We try to do something for every organization that approaches us. If it is feasible, if it is something that we can do, if the artists are available, and if it works, we try to make it happen. And, and you probably know that about us because we try to work with different community organizations, and that's very important because I know of organizations, you know, everywhere where even if we would feel that, okay, this is still a sizable side amount of a budget, they would have to turn that down for whatever reasons they might have. But I think it's very important to work grassroots. It's very important to reach out to everybody and anybody who needs arts in their lives. And I think everybody needs arts in their lives. I would agree. Okay, well, thank you so much, Rimley. This was Sorry, really great. Oh, it's, <laughs> this is why I brought you in. Really amazing stuff. Thank you so much for being here. This was really, really great. Thanks, Matt. The Hudson County and Immigration, the Story of America interview series is supported by a grant from the New Jersey Historical Commission. To learn more about the Hudson County Office of Cultural and Heritage Affairs, Tourism Development, check out their website, visithudson.org. Remember, you can keep up to date with county government news and announcements by following us on Twitter. Our handle is HudcoTweet. Videos of county events can be found on YouTube, where our channel is HudcoTV. 
And we're on Instagram at Hudco Insta and on Facebook at Hudco FB. Finally, thanks as always to Hudson County Executive Tom DeGeese and the Board of County Commissioners who support the programs and services featured on this podcast.